are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. We have a treat in store for you today because today is our first holiday episode. So happy Thanksgiving. We are grateful to have our guest here today with us, Monica Striefler. She's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. (laughs) I'm Beth. I'm Kate. And we're here with Monica today. So. What a treat. You get to be with your sister and your boss. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Monica is a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, an aunt, and a friend. She's been happily married to Bruce, who is one of our founding fathers. Makes him sound really old um, (laughs) here at the Upper Room Fellowship. She's been married to Bruce for 32 years, and they have two beautiful, grown, amazing children. One is in... Akron, Ohio, and one is in Colorado. And she has a very old cat, Lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he made it into the bio. (laughs) Your cat. Lucky might not be with us much longer. Oh, my gosh. Happy Thanksgiving. She's worked with kids at the Upper Room for over 37 years. She started when she was two. (laughs) She started in the nursery as a young teen and is currently the children's ministry coordinator at the Upper Room Fellowship. And it's amazing because you have all these teens. You have our daughters as your assistants in the nursery, it. and they love it. So that's that's fun. <laughs> Next to being mom to many besides her own kids, her favorite role is Auntie M. And she plays that role to many nieces and nephews, but... So welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. We are switching it up a little bit today because it's our first holiday edition. Can you gobble like a Thanksgiving turkey? (laughs) Did you change the questions without telling me? (laughs) Just slightly. A little holiday twist for us today with some eggnog. (laughs) Pumpkin pie. Monica has an amazing life story, but we're not getting into all of that today because we're really going to focus on gratitude. Mm-hmm. Our questions are going to be around gratitude today. So yeah. so tell us, Monica, what turned on your gratitude light? Well, I have some specific instances in my life that I can think back on. And the first one was when I was like six years old and I went to this after school. I don't even know what it was. I feel like I didn't know a single soul, but it was in somebody's house and they had a little flannel graph and they were talking about Jesus being your friend who will never leave you. And I just remember my heart being impacted and I thought, oh my goodness, Jesus loves me and he wants to be with me. And I remember feeling really grateful for that. And feeling like I wanted that. And so that's when I gave my life to Jesus. And I was so grateful that he loved me and he would never leave me. You know, when you're six, I remember there being some like little girl 
friend drama in first grade. And that made me really sad. So like the idea that you have a friend who always wants to be with you and will never walk away, that like really impacted my heart. And so not only did my relationship with Jesus start then, but also my journey with gratitude. And one of the things I held on to was that he is always with me. He'll never leave me. And so our family kind of had some things happen and we moved far away. And through all of that, I remember feeling and being so grateful that God was with me. He never left me in the midst of difficult times and scary times. So that was the beginning, the beginning of it all. And then the second thing I remember, I can really like picture myself in this place. I'm not going into it today, but I was in a car accident when I was 17. I became a paraplegic. And it was not long after that, someone recommended that I go to a support group for people with disabilities. And I was like, okay, I'll go. You know, I was really open to whatever. And I went and I sat in this room of people and they had all manner of things wrong. And it was awful. Everybody was complaining about their life. It was shocking to me. Mm. I thought, this is not going to be my life. This is not support. I don't want supported in complain fest. complaining or agonizing. And I just remember right there thinking, I am really grateful for the people in my life that support me. I'm really grateful for, for Jesus who's with me in the midst of, you know, navigating difficult waters. I'm grateful for opportunities before me that I don't have to just sit at home and lay in bed and You know, it was like I was really clear to me that I needed to walk in gratitude in order to Mm -hmm. not live as a victim. The song we sing at church, I am no victim. I'm not a poor man. That song, you know, it's like it's a declaration. You know, a lot of people go through really terrible, hard things, and it's sad, but we don't have to walk through it as a victim. That became really real to me at that moment. I was probably 18 years old. That was the second really defining moment for me about gratitude. The third one was I got married to a really amazing husband, which is a whole nother story. I had two precious kids, which is also a whole nother story. I remember driving through the park one day. My kids were in the back seat. They were probably three and one. You know, they were little. And there was these moms at the park and they were running and playing with their kids, climbing the monkey bars and on the swings. And I just had this like moment of dread fall over me. Like, am I going to ruin my kids? Like, I can't do that. It was like this weird thing that came from, we know where it came from. It It came from the pit of hell. You know, like, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? I had a moment of, oh my gosh. And instantly... I felt like the Holy Spirit say, Monica, you always have a lap for your kids. What are the things that you can do? Sorry. (laughs) And I thought, oh, you're right. You're right. My kids crawled up onto my lap all the time. When I was washing dishes, they'd crawl up and be on my lap. When I was cooking, they'd crawl up. Anything I was doing, they'd crawl up on my lap. It was always open and available to them. Even when I was busy, I had a lap and they were there. 
And that moment, I was like a reminder. Monica, you need to walk in gratitude. What are the things that are good? What are the things? That scripture. Bruce is my walking concordance. I'm saying, where's this? Where's the scripture at? And he'll just tell me. He's like, oh, <laughs> the I text Bible him. man. Bruce. Yeah, everybody does. Jaden does. Jacob does. Hey, dad, where's the scripture? He knows like the Bible inside out. <laughs> Whatever's true, whatever is Philippians 4. There it is. Yes. Whatever is. um, Think on these things. Yes. Think on these things. Those are the three defining moments, I feel like, that kind of cemented gratitude in my heart. And the fourth thing was not so much an incident. My dad was a very positive person. And whenever there was a hard thing, he was always looking for the silver lining. And there were times that I thought, well, are you not facing reality? But he's been gone for three years. And the more you look back and you see things, it's like, oh my goodness. It was so beautiful the way he was able to frame sorrow and trouble in light of God's grace, new opportunities, or what are you going to learn? Or how can you grow from this? Like he embodied that. That was a big influence in my life. And so I'm really grateful for my dad's influence. But I think the world tries to do that. The idea that the people who do try to find the silver lining are always looking towards the hope. There is something about living in this world where the response is, oh, aren't you special? Aren't you a little naive? Mm -hmm. They don't get it. They don't get reality. But it's those people who I think like your dad who are the best. And he wasn't naive. He had it right. He did. He did have it right. So you had several instances that flickered that light Mm -hmm. of gratitude and over the past several decades since (laughs) you know since you were six or 18 Mm -hmm. or again as a mother a young mom and as a daughter tell us why you have a passion for gratitude right now okay because you you definitely embody it but tell us what what brings that passion to life and well it was probably I don't know, like seven to five years ago, I want to say, I, my life like had a major shift. My kids both left home. I had homeschooled my kids all the way through. And so we were really tight and I was very dedicated to that. And they, you know, sprouted wings and flew away. I was like, did not know what to do with myself. And I kind of started spiraling down into this really dark place And it was not good. My husband tells me this now, like I did not know this at the time, but it was so, I was so distraught. And it wasn't just because they flew away. You know, there was just lots going on. And at the same time, like your dad was ill. Yeah. There's so much happening on top of life changes. There was a lot going on. And so I was really sad. Didn't know what to do. And Bruce said he wrote scriptures, hid them inside my pillow. Like he opened the stuffing of my pillow and put scriptures in there. <laughs> like that as I would sleep, he would was praying those scriptures over me. I did not know that till years later. But so it was dark. It was dark for me emotionally. I remember thinking, I have got to get a grip. I cannot stay here. It was not a good place to be. There was this like little challenge on Instagram or something. It was 100 happy days. Post something once a day that makes you happy. I knew I needed to look for gratitude. And I needed, and I had to force myself because I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. And I, so I took that hundred happy days. And for me, it was like, it was like a gratitude treasure hunt. So every single day for a hundred days, I posted something I was grateful for that day. 
And maybe that day I was grateful for tears that could release the pain that was in my heart. Or I was grateful for Kleenex that would wipe those (laughs) tears. Or I was grateful for my blanket I could crawl under and pull up over my head that night. And I literally started to feel a shift in my spirit. Each day, as I looked for things that I was genuinely grateful for, I found more and more. And at the end of that 100 days, I'm like, I cannot stop because I need to make myself be grateful, to look and see, because you will find what you're looking for. If you're mm-hmm. looking for reasons to be sad yes. or mad so good. Or, or a victim, you're going to find them. But if you are looking to be grateful... You're going to find God's provision. You're going to find his protection. You're going to find his peace and his joy. You're going to find those things. So at the end of that 100 days, I started another 100 days. And I think I did that a couple rounds. And then I just decided to do a 365 days of gratitude. So every single day that year, I posted something I was grateful for. It was like accountability for me to like not just write it in my journal because then that's easy to like let go. For me, it was. So posting it publicly was a way for myself to be accountable to myself and people who follow me. (laughs) But I wasn't doing it for them. It was for my heart, you know, and I literally feel my DNA change. It's like I can't even put it into words, but like I feel it inside of me. I feel it. And so that's why... I feel like so passionate about it because it has changed my life. Gratitude has changed my my DNA. I feel it in my bones. I think it's so simple. You know, it's not easy, especially when you're in the throes of despair and you're not feeling it. So I challenge people. I've done some workshops and talks about it. And I say, you know, before you go to bed, either it's either first thing in the morning or before you go to bed at night. Think of five things you're grateful for. Write it down. Keep a log beside your bed. And you will start to see if you're, you know, consistent, you're going to see a shift inside of you. I feel like our world is full of so much turmoil. We lose sight of gratitude because we're so upset about everything. Gratitude is what's going to center us and balance us and help us lock our eyes on Jesus. Many years ago, this is kind of like going into the next um, Should I ask the question? I don't first? know. Your <laughs> gratitude light. <laughs> so tell us how you're shining your gratitude light in the world right now. Well, I do continue my posting every single day. And when I like miss a few days, I do several in a day and back it, back it up. But I just am putting it out there. And I've had so many people tell me, you're, you are so positive and you, you know, that brings encouragement to my heart. So I feel like as I share my gratitude, it inspires other people to be grateful mm-hmm. or to find peace or encouragement or to look for things in their life that are good. Another thing, I just actually did it today. When my kids were little, we started, I call it our Thanksgiving tree. And we just put this paper tree on the wall in our kitchen and I made leaves. And so everyone who came into our house write something they're thankful for, like for the whole month of November. I wanted to kind of instill in them gratitude, like before Christmas, because, you know, when Christmas is coming, kids are thinking about, oh, I want this, I want that. And I wanted a way to like, just really encourage them without them really knowing what I was doing, you know, just to be grateful for what they did have, the things around them, and just to cultivate gratitude in my kids. And so we started that when they were little, and I've done it every year since then. And I've had people that come through my home that have taken that idea, and like, it's kind of 
spread around in many different places. When our daughter, she was in an internship in Kansas City, and she took that idea there. And then the the people that led the internship, they still do it and oh with their gosh. group of people. I know That's that. Wild. Yeah, there was somebody else that was like in another part of the world that is doing that, like because they were inspired by that. So I think that's fun to spread that. So I still have it, and I save people's leaves sometimes. I have, like, leaves of my kids when they were little that they could hardly write. Like, I still have some other thankful leaves, what they're thankful for. So I think just encouraging people in their own ways to find ways to cultivate gratitude in their kids because gratitude doesn't always come naturally. You have to cultivate it. Yes. You have to kind of work at it. The more you do it, the easier it flows from you. And the more you encourage your kids, the easier it is for them. It's easy for them to complain and be mad about things, but it's not so easy for them to be grateful for the things that they have. So you have to cultivate that in them. And sometimes you have to do it sneakily because, you know, they're not going to want, I don't want to be grateful. You know, if you make it fun, if you make it interesting, it cultivates it in them, in their spirits. And that's something that I think is really, really important. And in the end is what makes people happy. Because I know that foundationally, internally, we're ego-driven and we make it about Mm -hmm. us and Mm -hmm. we feel like that's where we'll be our happiest. Mm -hmm. But that's not really how we're made. It's true. And so even though we have this natural inclination, a worldly natural inclination Mm -hmm. to be about ourselves, Mm -hmm. that's not how God made us to be. So when the gratitude comes out, even though it's difficult to begin the practice of that, like once it becomes a part of you, that's where the joy comes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is same way with giving Mm -hmm. you know we're not naturally givers but when we do that that's when we find life and joy Mm -hmm. and same thing with gratitude it's hard to start sometimes but then you're changed and better for it yeah i do think it's important to realize that you can hold sadness and gratitude at the same time Mm. a lot of times people will say i'm grateful for this but this is I, this is terrible. I can't I can't do it. And I always feel like when you say but, it negates everything that has come before. It like cancels it out. I think it's okay to say, you know, you don't want to say I'm sad but I'm grateful for because sadness is real. Trouble is real. And so you don't want to like cancel it out. So I think it's so important to realize you can say this is really really hard and I'm grateful that I have my friend to walk this with me or this is devastating and I'm really grateful that I can just kind of not isolate cuz isolation isn't good but just kind of pull back from the world and just be able to grieve right now or you can hold sadness and gratitude at the same time. I think that's important to note because Christians often don't know what to do with pain mm. or sadness or suffering. So we kind of want to shove it under the rug. We don't want to talk about it or feel it. But it is important because there's no way through your pain except through it. As you're feeling it, you can still have gratitude in the midst of it. It doesn't negate it. It doesn't mean you can't be sad or can't have pain. I think that's important Mm -hmm. for people to realize. That's so good. So we have been eight months into this coronavirus, Mm -hmm. and it has been devastating to you as a two (laughs) who has a husband that doesn't talk a lot. Tell us how in this season where it has been really hard and we've been isolated and things have been a lot different, how you've been able to steward gratitude in the midst of COVID. How do you hold those two tensions of COVID and gratitude? Very, that's very, very good question. 
I continue each day to look for gratitude every single day. That did not get put on the shelf with everything else that quit when COVID hit because a lot of things in my life quit just because of they were shut down or like everybody else. I would not let myself put that away. So that's been really important for me. It's been important. I, I felt like I was doing so good. And then this hit and I was like, oh, this is hard and scary and oh, but I would not let myself quit being grateful. And so it's gotten me through. And I feel like I've been able to, I have had times of grieving in the midst of it all. I've also like, okay, let's do something fun and Jaden and I have had a lot of fun projects we've done together, which I have so appreciated. And that, that got us through the worst of the worst, you know, when we were Friday family, Friday family, fun nights. Yeah. Our little COVID group that we, our community, our COVID community we quarantined with, we just did things out of the ordinary and we, and we had fun and we just used what we had in our house and it was delightful. I feel like having an attitude of gratitude which sounds so um, cliche, but it's so real. You have to have an attitude of gratitude. You you can do things that you didn't think you could do. And you so give in. us your top 10. What were you grateful for? What are you grateful for during COVID? Oh, my husband. Oh my gosh, he's my number one. I do love him and there's no one else I would rather be stuck in a house with, even though he doesn't talk a whole lot. There's no one else I'd rather hang out with than Bruce. Number one. Uh, number two was well, my family, my group, my sister Beth and Mark and Jaden and Jordan and my mom. You know, we all came together and it was really precious. We had really sweet, fun times together. So that's been good. Oh, another thing was my kids are far away, so I couldn't gather them near. But staying in touch with them and my daughter and I kind of started a FaceTime Saturday morning coffee together and we've not ever done that and so that was was really precious to me being able just to see her face and chit chat with her over coffee you know because she didn't have anywhere to go because all her stuff was closed and you know so we were able to connect during that which I have appreciated 10 things that's a lot of things audible I'm thankful for audible I love listening to books I mean I love reading books but some Sometimes I feel like I have to stop. I feel like I can't do anything. So when I'm listening, I can still keep doing things like cooking or whatever it is I'm doing and listen. So I've listened to a lot of audiobooks. And so I appreciate Audible. Also podcasts. I'm a podcast junkie. I really appreciate podcasts. I just feel like you learn a lot and you also can be entertained by them. Oh, yes! My dining room table. It's been a dream forever. I like to gather people in my house around the dinner table. I have lots of people. I used to feed when my kids were young adults. We fed like 20 to 30 kids every single week. We called it our family night. And it was just our kids and their friends and friends' friends that came and just, you know, before everybody moved away and we were all have to set up more tables and more chairs. So I always have wanted a great big table. And so during COVID, somehow I convinced my husband now is the time. And I said, if we're ever going to do it, now is the time. Because I'm not waiting till I'm 60 or 70 to get a great big table to gather people. I want to gather people now, you know, and have lots of years to do that. We went to Amish country and we've never bought a new piece of furniture in our life. It's always like Craigslist, used, garage sale. We've never had a new piece of furniture. So we bought a brand new table, custom designed, and it has 14 leaves. And I can fit like 22 people at my table if I want. 
And now I'm like, well, are we even going to be able to have people for Thanksgiving? I don't know. But I'm really excited that we have that. I mean, it's like vision for after COVID. Yes. Having lots we can of have gatherings. nine people this year. <laughs> <laughs> what number was that? A lot of Six. Six? Okay. I feel like just kind of I was made aware that I've always said if we could just stop the world for two weeks, I could get so much done. Well, that's a lie. (laughs) The world stopped for how many weeks, months? And I feel like I haven't gotten the things done that I want to get done. So I feel like I'm like, okay, I see that I need to change my priorities. And if I wanted to do get something done, I just have to make it happen. I have to shift around my priorities which was a good awakening for me. It's not the world's fault. It's my own for not getting these things accomplished. I'm just not making room for things in my life. So that was, even though it may not seem like a happy thing, it's a good awakening for me to realize. Oh, I feel like it's great to be grateful for realization, Mm -hmm. even when it's a bad one. Like, oh gosh, that's not great. Is that eight? That was seven. (laughs) I'm glad you're keeping count because I am not. All right, eight. Oh, yeah. That's been nice. We had to shut down our children's ministry for quite a while. We've had it. I look back on my um, dreams, planning what we wanted to get done. And we wanted to paint a lot of rooms and get some rooms ready. And we've been able to do that. And it's so beautiful. That was really a good thing to come out of it. A fun thing. Another thing I have always read at Heartland's. Since Jaden was in kindergarten, I started. So it's been nine years I've gone in and volunteered and read to the little ones there, which is like one of the greatest delights of my life. I love it so much. So this year, obviously, no, not even parents are allowed in the school, so no volunteers. So I wasn't able to do that. So I was really sad about that. But my precious niece, Megan, who has little Riley, she was going to homeschool Riley. And she said, can we come? Would you be willing to read, kind of like come over and do story time with Riley? And I said, yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. So Riley and Megan and Callie come over every week and we do story time with Annie M and we do stories and activities and it's so precious and delightful. And that has been really, really sweet. So that's been a good thing to come out of, you know, even though I feel like I lost something I loved, I'm gaining something even more precious and valuable. That's a good, good thing to come out of COVID and 10. Just being able to learn how to rest in peace the peace that passes understanding that guards our heart and our mind. Because in the midst of all this, you can go a little bit crazy. And people have, people are. But seeing that, you know what, Jesus does bring us peace. If we are, our eyes are fixed on him, we're going to encounter his grace and his peace. So in the midst of turmoil, it's been good to see that he is still, he's with us. He's not leaving us. I guess those are my 10 things. All right. Great. I think it's interesting. I was thinking about gratitude. I think it's interesting that that's how we're asked to enter Mm -hmm. the presence of God, Mm -hmm. like enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I was thinking about that even while you were saying, how can you be grateful and sad at the same time? But it is something that can be carried together. Mm. So it's the availability of God's presence is at all times. There is something to going in Mm -hmm. with thanksgiving, in with gratitude because it is a heart changer yes it's good it is a heart changer so is there anything else that you want to tell us tonight i do uh you'll be listening to this on november 22nd and the election will be over 
and half of the country will be really devastated. No matter what happens, half of it will be, or maybe we'll all be in turmoil because it won't really be over yet. Who knows? We don't know what's coming. But listen, guys, look for gratitude. You're going to find gratitude. And Jesus is on his throne. He's above it all. And it'll be all right. So don't freak out. Also, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have wonderful times with your family. It may be smaller this year, but I hope that as you sit around your table at Thanksgiving, that you will be able to express your gratitude to God, to your family, for all the good things that have come from 2020. At our Thanksgiving table, we go around our table and we always tell what we're thankful for. You may feel like it's hard to find something to be thankful for for 2020 because it was so wacky. But there are lots of things, so I challenge you to be grateful and to look. What are you grateful for? And as you sit down at your table, share that with each other and just know that God is with you. That's so great. So good. Yep. <laughs> so what a way to kick off our first holiday episode. Yes. And if you are having a hard time being grateful, I would just encourage you to come hang out with Monica <laughs> and let her rub off on you a little bit because it's hard to have an ungrateful heart when you're around her. So mm-hmm. it's been great to hear your story about gratitude and to kick off this season. And we do wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy One Thanksgiving. One quick question. What's the weirdest food that you have, like family tradition, Mm -hmm. food that's maybe a little bit weird that your family loves? Oh, I'm lip smacking. (laughs) We do onion casserole. And it's just, it's just a nine by 13. Not green bean casserole with onions? We also do green bean casserole, but there are no onions in that. However, a gigantic nine by 13 all the way filled with just onions and you bake them. I mean, there are other, I'm not sure what else is in them, but it's onion casserole and 90% of it is just baked onions. Onions. Mm. I think our family would probably be Brussels sprouts. Do you think? I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, do you all, do you have that? Yes. My dad started making them and now we have to always with bacon. Do you have like that orange salad? No. Like marshmallow fluff? Yeah, salad? it's like uh-uh. mandarin oranges with oh. cottage cheese. No, and we don't okay. Do that at we we used to do that. My grandma did that when we were kids. Do you eat that? I think that's a little odd. No, we're not, I like that. We're not a jello. Um, not salad. to me. We always oh. have avocados. Mm-hmm. Sliced that, avocados that's with weird. I'm, oh, I, oh, it's a holiday on tradition. Thanksgiving, I yes. mean, avocados themselves aren't. Well, weird, that tradition with comes from vinegar and oil and garlic. Mm-hmm. My mom's parents had relatives who lived in California who grew olives and avocados, and every year they send them olive and avocados, and so we had that it was like a delicacy. And so we've always had, even growing up as kids, we've always had avocados and vinegar and oil and um, plate of olives. <laughs> For Thanksgiving. Yeah. Every holiday. So interesting. (laughs) Pumpkin pie or pecan? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do sweet potato? Mm -hmm. With marshmallows on top. Yeah. My mom makes them. And we make pumpkin rolls every year. Jaden and Sue, Grandma Sue and I make a batch of pumpkin rolls, and our first one usually gets broke out on Thanksgiving. So. So click the bio, the link in the bio for onion casserole recipe. <laughs> I know. I want to I want to look at the recipe. I'm so like intrigued by it. that. I've never heard of it. 
And with the avocados, make sure you peel them. But other than that, (laughs) peel and slice. (laughs) Oil and vinegar. And garlic. garlic. Salt and pepper. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, (laughs) our loyal listeners. (laughs) So many elves. Thanks for listening. Meet us back here next week for another edition of the Shine Podcast. Bye.